This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. From Flint to Philadelphia, from Hollywell to Hollywood. Rob Ryan Red is a brand new Wrexham AFC fans podcast by Nathan Salt and Richard Fay. Now, maybe you're well-versed in Wrexham history, or maybe you're new here, so here's a few things to jog your memory. Here is Vose. Great dribbling by Don Vose. And still, Vose, he gets us another! Oh, what a goal! Don Vose! One of the goals of the season! He has toyed with the defence there! And that is remarkable, the Bull Boys getting involved. Conor Jennings, the captain, Wrexham's top goal scorer, 13 for the season. 14! Wrexham lead! It's Wrexham 1! Chester now! It's McDonough for Wrexham! Still Jerry McDonough! It's Pat Caroline! McDonough round the keeper! Wrexham! Wrexham! Need to the lead leaders! If yesterday was a Black Friday, but today is a Red Saturday! Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast. I'm Rich Fay. I'm joined once again by Nathan Salt. Nath, how are you doing? Bright and early, Rich. Uh, lots to unpack today, as, as, as you can probably tell from the title. You know, the chairman have given probably their most extensive message now to the fans since since the takeover got officially confirmed around four months ago. So, lot 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 to unpack. Yeah, we've got a lot of sort of things to reflect on as well. Of course, the club captain's left, the goalkeeping coach has left. We've had Fleur Robinson start her new role at the club as well. And as we're going to get on to with this big update from Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds, there's a lot to unpack from the official chairman update. And myself and Nath both read through this when it was dropped on Friday morning, which marks four months the takeover was officially completed at the race course. Of course, there were works going on behind the scenes before that, and we all knew who the two main men were. But... Yeah, it was on the 9th of February that the club confirmed their aspirations for the 2021-22 season. The, the the campaign which had just been was always sort of viewed as a free hit because there was no way that the new ownership could really implement any significant change on the pitch at least. Obviously the transfer window had closed and the club still did manage to attract Dior Angus and Tyler French to the club as well as those four free agent signings who were brought in during our injury crisis. And yeah, it's difficult to know where to start on this update. I'm sure 
you will all have read it by now. It's on the Wrexham website if you haven't. It's a really lengthy uh, look back at the last four months and a, a strong look ahead as well to could happen not just this summer but in the years to come. They go through every hard promise, as they call it, that they've made, the commitments to the club. They don't mention beating Chester on this one. Maybe they need to start with beating Chester Field next season before we can get to uh, <laughs> bog down on rivalry. But for yourself, Naif... We were both saying what maybe the main takeaway was, and it was interesting that quite early on in the statement, they say that they are seeking a new manager slash head coach for the 2021-22 season. Okay, that might just be leaving themselves open in case they don't go for necessarily a manager who wants to have a hands-on approach. But the interesting thing there is there's certain certainly leniency and reason to maybe envisage that there's already a director of football at the club and that the head coach will solely be on preparing the team for their matches. That That's what I took away from it. You know, we put out that story recently about um, about Mark Hudson and, and obviously he's gathered a lot of momentum now and we know that there's been interviews this week and we know he's among those to have had their interview. How that went, I, I personally don't know. But the way the statement was worded, I think, is everything in that statement is deliberate. People will have poured over that before it got released. It's obviously very lengthy, as we said, and I'm always I'm a bit of a nerd in the sense that when I look at statements, I really scrutinise the language, if you will. And I think the use of head coach is is very interesting in the sense that you know they've they outlined that you know we recruited Les Reed as, as an advisor to create a football strategy. Now that had already been known that that had already been put out there, but essentially what they're describing is a director of football with the tag of an advisor. You know, if if Lesri looked after the retain list, I know that Humphrey said in his leader column this week that no new players will be signed until the manager or head coach gets appointed, which makes a degree of sense. But you would have to anticipate that Lesri will have a big say in in the recruitment and it will be down to maybe a head coach, you know, someone up and coming to to make the tools at their disposal work and, and build something successful. So that that was one of the key things that, and one of the other key things that stood out to me was them talking about the the playing budget for twenty one twenty two will be consistent was the word they use will be consistent with a team that wants to win promotion. Now we know Dean in one of his final statements said that his budget, which had obviously been set by the trust at the start of the season, wasn't in did he say the top fifteen clubs or something like that yeah, wasn't in the top fifteen top fifteen. I have reason mm. to believe that Dean Keats' playing budget was effectively half of what Brian Hughes previously had when he was in charge of Wrexham. So if you look at what Dean Keats achieved and the position he did eventually finish in, if he had half the budget of what Brian Hughes had, then that's a yeah, miraculous totally. achievement. But you can even tell by, by the statement the, the chairman released, it's you know this is still a, a big opportunity missed this season to, to get into the playoffs. I think that it was wild dreams to, to think we would ever get promoted this season particularly like we said it was basically a free hit this first campaign in, in charge but yeah it's it's it was interesting the, the wording I think at the start of the, the statement saying mm. how disappointing it was that the club missed out on the playoffs particularly the way that they went into that final game at Dagenham needing to win and you're in control your own destiny and they set up to try and not lose and it was just a really bad reflection and sort of typical Wrexham in a time where we're looking for significant change. I thought as well it was interesting when we're talking about the Les Reed sort of portion of the statement where it said that the football strategy, which you know he is in control over, even as an advisor, will extend beyond the first team. Now you see that at some top level clubs. I know you 
covers other Man- Manchester clubs and I'm sure at City and, and Man United you see similar ethos drip down throughout all the teams but the fact that the football strategy at Wrexham will extend to the centre of excellence and the women's team I thought that was pretty interesting um, yeah, and yeah I mean you know, that is yeah. a similar thing I know from my own experience covering Man United they've just had their own reshuffle at at head level where they've appointed their first ever football director John Murto and he him and Darren Fletcher will oversee everything you know on the football side and John Murto himself although he's the football director will have a large say in sort of dealing with the women's team the youth team etc so it seems similar here at Wrexham and incidentally um, Les Reed, former Southampton of course I messaged, messaged Simon Peach who's currently away at the Euros uh, I think it's at St George's Park following England throughout the tournament sorry for for name dropping them but he I asked him what do Southampton fans think of Les Reed and he said he did some real really good stuff for the club then he made a bunch of bleep calls um, looks a really good appointment at your level though with respect so you know I think it is it is interesting to see the appointment I still think it is somewhat of a coup and he did really well in in you know getting Southampton back to where they were because you know when they were in League One they were really in free fall stabilised the club made them go in the right direction and build up and him, himself and Fleur they've both got track records now of, of sort of saving sinking ships and getting that real momentum going forward so I think there's an element where you know we can read into every single word of this statement and say oh what's this mean but I guess ultimately you kind of got, got, got to trust the two people who are really experienced of, of, of doing what we need them to do yeah, there's an there's an element of just you know proof is in the pudding, isn't it? It will take a while for a lot to come to fruition. I think you know this is what four months on, and when you look down, a lot of it is this is we've been doing this, and I think the transparency is really really impressive, you know, and it just smacks of so much professionalism. You know, nothing against the supporters' trust or anything like that, but we didn't have this level, I don't think, of communication. In terms of sure, we we have far worse access now to to the owners, and you know we're we're not you know living in close proximity to these people, but you can just tell that they're very very obsessed with the building blocks that are needed to to just make the club far more professional than it than it maybe already is, and and admittedly you know like a lot of people have said in response, it it will all come down to success on the pitch. You can't flog a dead horse for want of a better phrase you know the, the playing product has to be good to keep people interested and keep sponsors engaged and whatnot but you know talk of race course redevelopment and taking back control of the race course obviously would be super popular with the fans the redevelopment on that side the training facility you know i thought that in particular which was quite interesting you know there'd been some suggestion that we would go back to collier's park but it, it really sounds like that they're looking for a new site that you know the wording was we believe we needed a site in excess of 22 acres to ensure that it meets both our current and future requirements. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to future-proof the club, aren't they? And the thing is that all, most of these exciting changes as well that have been referenced, that's their legacy. Ultimately, once the football season's like finished, that's it, sort of archived. It's just a memory. It's in the past. Whereas having the, the stadium back in the club's control will not only help us with our, our renovation plans because we'll have the final say, we won't have to be passing things past the other sort of ownerships and leaseholders on it. The training ground, like you said, it's not just about getting a short-term fix where for the next couple of seasons we'll be okay in League 1, League 2. If you want to be a championship club, 
or a League One club, which I know is firmly the the aspirations. League One definitely, and I think you know you've got to dream of the Championship, etc. When you get there, you've got to have the facilities. Of course, we'll have the big draw of being this is the famous Hollywood-owned club. But what what works in our advantage now as a non-league club? Every player who signs says how professional the the surroundings are, how how good the training facilities are, how good the stadium is for a club at this level. But when you get to League One, that doesn't stand out as much because there's so many other teams who can match that and even better it. There'll be former Premier League clubs in there. There'll be other teams who are bankrolled to an extent. So you really need to make sure that when you do eventually get to League One, you're then not seen as minnows there. You're seen as a team who still have leading facilities for that level. So it's really interesting, but... You know, the, the statement also spoke about how difficult this season has been in terms of fitting training commitments and requirements around other people's schedules, having to find short-term facilities at, at the last minute, etc. I think even if they went back to Colliers, you'd still be sort of guests there. It wouldn't be somewhere that you own and you can rock up and say, and we're doing this today. There's, there's still plans that would have to be made and you'd still have to fit in around other people's schedule. So, yeah, I'm, I'm full on board with this, this training facility. And again, it's another excitement, exciting commitment to the off-field development of the club and the rejuvenation of Wrexham as a town and, and an area itself. Yeah, um, you know, a training facility, often we get told, don't we, about players when they join, they're blown away. The, the phrase is always, they're blown away by the training facility or like, you know, even the players we've had on previously, blown away by the race course. What got me in this statement was, you know, talking about how the the refurbishment work with AFL Architects is is currently focused on improving the what they call the spectator experience in the Mould Road and the Yale stand. Now, I usually sit in the Yale paddock. I assume from your commentary position, you were sat in the Mould Road stand. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and so. the first games I ever went to at the race course were always in the the Cold Road stand, but. I did. Um, I did rejuvenate and move myself behind the goal, which I know they the reference as well. End, yeah, yeah, tech yeah end, but... You know, they're saying there about the tech end, Rich. I mean, obviously, you go in there; it's a really good atmosphere in there, typically. And they're talking about significant changes to that part of the goal, and you know, they're working on plans right now, and they're convinced that the changes they're planning to make will be well received. Off the top of your head, can you think of? something that you would want to see change there. It's difficult to I mean, know really the, with the race The course. cliche is chips are a quid, isn't it? But I think yeah. other than that, the scoreboard was always didn't really make sense to me because it dangles down in front of some of the, sure. the supporters who are further back in the stand. So I'm, I'm interested to see what they do in terms of a scoreboard. I always thought that it would make sense to try get a kind of biggish temporary one put in sort of the cop area because everyone would be able to see it from every angle of the stadium then. Uh, if not, I think the, the scoreboard's always sort of had issues. It's quite an outdated piece of tech isn't it you only have to look at it to know that there, there are a few issues of it and I think even on the last day of the season the last home game sorry against Kings Lynn there were some issues with with the, with the scoreboard not displaying properly which were out of mm. the club's hands but I think that needs a lick of paint I think the fact that the seats aren't all the same shade of red as well is just yeah, something I mean which... you know that that's been one of my biggest bugbears for a while I mean I've, yeah. I've said it on multiple pods and I guess as well, finding a way to maybe utilise the stand better because even when you're in the tech end and it feels full, you can then sometimes watch the highlights and it still looks a bit sparse because not every mm. corner is filled up and of course you've got the lower the lower section which is which is never utilised properly unless it's a real big occasion. So uh, yeah, I'm intrigued to see the type of facility changes and I think as well, just in terms of the concourses and when you come into the, the stand, it does feel a bit 
well, it's raw, isn't it? I mean, for most fans, that's mm. acceptable. They don't, they don't mind so much. But I guess it's about making it more of a family sort of atmosphere. Not maybe the tech end, because that's probably maybe where most of the hardcore would, would go, I'd say, and the, the quite a vocal percentage yeah. of, of the fan group go. So it's not about, you know, making that all cosy and shiny, having cushions about and stuff, but it's maybe just making the race course a bit more welcoming for, for these new fans as well. And I guess those legacy fans will will also be catered for because <laughs> at the end of the day, we're there to watch the town. And I, I just, yeah, I just think that there's like, there's, I personally don't see that much scope, you know, in terms of the space to, I, I mean, I'm fascinated to see what the architectural firm come up with in their plan. You know, there's obviously, I think the pitch is getting ripped up next week and they're gonna they're gonna redo the pitch and admittedly we can't do that every summer it seems like we've ripped up the pitch quite a lot recently um you know i'd stand to be corrected on that if that's not the case but you know you'd hope that the surface that they lay down and if they redo any kind of the drainage and whatnot it's not super sexy people want signings but you know a good pitch can go a long way we get really harsh winters You've got a lot of teams that have terrible pitches. Uh, I think back to some game, you know, the game at Aldershot earlier this season, a dreadful pitch that we played on, and that wasn't the reason we lost. Obviously, we were poor that day, but having a nice pitch, if you're going to go and play this passing football with Devontae Redmond as your best player, or whatever the future holds for for the team, you need a good pitch to work on. So that's interesting. And Humphrey said in his column about trying to extend the space behind the the goals and stuff so that yeah well, rug there play, is... rugby players and you know rugby players can slide off and not run into the cop end or not run into the tech end yeah well there is that big um space isn't there where the walkway in in between the goal and, and the, the start of the cop and of course it's, there's that underlying sort of issue in, in terms of that is what the the redevelopment plans for the, the cop are going to be and obviously it all sort of depends on that gateway project and how quickly that can come along and the club are fully committed to making that work and you know they just want to to have that stand back to what it was in its heyday of course it has to be a more modern sort of approach to have it safe to to utilize but yeah there, there is space there and i guess we can maybe be a bit too nostalgic and say we don't want too much change but that's what we've signed up for by voting these yeah these new definitely. owners in you know and you've got to sit back and sort of enjoy it and of course there's going to be concerns because no matter what they say and I know it's hammered home throughout the statement that the the ethos of the club and you know the new kit's going to feature a, a tribute to the Gressford disaster on it yeah, on, that's on, the, great. on the back of the I'm neck I'm a big fan of that yeah I'm a big fan of that so you know they are they are really aware of what the club means in the history of the club but you know you, you've got to just appreciate that the fact is that yeah. they, they now they are the I know they don't want to be called the owners because they they don't believe that they do own the club. You can't own something mm. that's that wasn't yours to begin with, really. And you know they're gonna be sort of stewards of our club, but they've now got sort of permission to to do what they think's in the best interest of the club. And I think that a lot of these changes will just be making the racecourse more up to date. Fresh looks of paint here and there, getting better TVs maybe in the concourse. So you can actually see. Yeah, I mean, what did you, what did you make of you know we're talking about racecourse redevelopment? What did you make of the wording? Talking about you know the ambition for the race course is to become a, a a more prominent venue for hosting international sporting events. Yeah, you know, and they said that they've had conversations with the FA Wales, and I thought the wording of it, you know, we believe preferred venue should also mean more often, of and that would go down very well with you know a lot of Wales fans that, that can't always get to Cardiff and Swansea, and and you know there's obviously been a big sort of South Wales bias in, in a way for the for the national team. Yeah, well, 
the race course is the spiritual home of Welsh football. You know, it's still the stadium where the national team have had most of their historic nights. Of course, that's changed in recent years, but you think back to beating Spain, you think back to to beating England in that famous 4-1 as well. And, you know, it's it's really interesting, isn't it, to to see the way that it's been worded there because the clubs always felt that they've been overlooked. And, of course, we don't necessarily have the capacity, I think, to host some of the qualifying fixtures. But you look back to those warm-up games before the European Championship, which we've just seen, particularly that Albania game. Okay, it's not the sexiest fixture, but there's no reason that shouldn't have been hosted in North Wales as a test event. And we could actually have local fans and and a better... Well, just give give Welsh football to a completely different sort of crowd of, of people because... Yeah. You know, I, I've always wanted to be a full sort of Wales matchgoer and be a proper Wales away. But growing up Definitely. in North Wales and really rural North Wales where there was two buses out of my village a day and <laughs> I didn't have much expendable income, there was no, no way no. I'd be able to go to a qualifying match in Cardiff. It's just, it's just not possible. It's just not possible, the, you know. You... The infrastructure of Wales, don't get me started on that. The fact you can't get a direct train yeah. down there anyway is an absolute farce. And, and, and how would you even get back? I think it was, what game was it recently that... You, to get a train home, you needed to be on a train seven minutes after the full time whistle. It was it was just it yeah. was actually impossible. You couldn't have made it from the from the turnstile to the station in seven minutes. It'd been impossible. Yeah, exactly. And it's always been something that I felt held me back. Of course, now I can I can drive etc. And I can get down to Cardiff if I have to. But you know, having the occasional match up in in at the race course would really be a help. And you know, it's no surprise well from an international point of view. I know it's the, the sort of the main attraction at the moment in international football, but there's no surprise that Wales, a country which is so galvanised and together as one now and, you know, feels united again and everyone seems to be moving in the right direction. We play so much better in these more compact stadiums where you can really get on top of the crowd. And ever since Rex, uh, sorry, the Welsh national team moved to the Cardiff City Stadium, the results have slowly picked up because the atmosphere is so much better. There's so much more camaraderie between fans and you know, there isn't quite the same divide as there used to be between different clubs coming together. Of course, moving up to, to North Wales maybe benefits Wrexham fans a lot more than supporters of the other major Welsh teams, but there's still such a strong connection to North Wales. And of course, North Wales, Rabon, is the birthplace of Welsh football. So you need to... You, I, I'd love to see international football back at the race course, and I think that the club are doing all they can and, you know, once the stadium's up to scratch, then there is no excuse from the FA Definitely. to, to overlook Wrexham. And that's what we've got to do. We can't make their decisions for them, but we can give them even less of an excuse to, to overlook us. Yeah, that's the key, I think, in terms of making sure we have all the mess that we tick all the boxes. And one of those things that I know will delight a lot of fans, and again, it's not new signings, it's not chips for a quid or anything like that but it is the fact that you know obviously the disabled sports association has done brilliantly at Wrexham and, and we're one I would say the leaders in that in that sort of sector of the game and you know Kerry Evans as they said that the work of Kerry Evans has amazed them which shows that they're really in the the hub of the community if you know what I mean that it's it's nothing to do with the players or the manager it's just something that is sustainable for fans disabled fans and they said that obviously there's been a lot of talk in recent years and about getting another wheelchair platform again it's it just needs the money to do so and just needs the the sort of the backing to do so 
and they've confirmed that, that that will be delivered as part of the redevelopment work. I think that's brilliant. And, you know, that they, they funded the, the purchase of a load of new power chairs. So it's stuff like that, you know, Rob, as well, going back to early on in, I think it might have been just before the takeover was even officially confirmed that, you know, he paid, forgive me for forgetting the name of the fan um, with cerebral palsy, but Rob just paid the entire amount for, for the redevelopment of a bathroom. And you can just tell that they're doing they're doing a lot of work outside of the the first team. You know, as much as we want to see them just invest every cent they have into the first team and getting players, stuff like a new wheelchair platform will give somebody, a disabled fan, the chance to actually watch a game, which is, for me, having, you know, my granddad is disabled and I, d I did a big project when I was in university about... Um, about disabled fans and the access they get, it's actually staggering how many clubs in sort of League One and Two don't have the requisite facilities. And so, you know, I'd, I'd hate to think that Wrexham had fans that, not because they couldn't make it to the ground, is that they didn't have facilities available to them to be able to watch, you know, great work done on the audio descriptive commentary. A guy called Alex Carter who does that for Wrexham, and that's a brilliant service. Obviously, we're trying to do more for the, the disabled fans and we're trying to improve the stadium. So better, better concourse, better access. And, you know, we cater to the diehards and families and visitors and away fans and whatnot. I just think that was a that was maybe a nugget that will get lost in this. You know, there's so much about even even as, as I said to you before we came on about bringing on people like Spencer Harris as a, as a vice president. You know, Spencer Harris, Gavin Jones, Phil Salmon and Mark Williams four people that were on the supporters trust board and did a lot to make the takeover happen. You know, they were the ones signing the NDA and they were the ones kind of liaising closely with Humphrey and Robin Ryan's people and whatnot. And, you know, it's nice to see they've been rewarded for, for what they've done. And I know you, you know, Spence a lot better than I do. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the main takeaway from all those points you've said about the sort of former WST involvement and the, the work that Kerry's done it's just building up upon the real real solid foundations that were there to begin with and giving us that extra bit of money which we didn't have you know we've been working on a shoestring budget at times but we've still been providing world-class inclusivity in, in football and making the race course a real welcome environment for, for fans of of any background to come to and you know that's what we've got to carry on doing in the long run and it's it's great to see I know Kerry's always been real really passionate about trying to increase and build upon the, the like we said the foundation she's laid by being being able to not just improve the experience of the ones who are already fortunate to, to come to matches but allowing more people to get into games as well because like you said Nath it's almost incomprehensible because every Saturday I've almost got the choice do I, do I want to go and watch Wrexham but imagine if I was told well what if we can't accommodate you it's just it doesn't even cross the mind I think of, of quite a lot of supporters and it's something that I think we are maybe a bit blinded to but it's it's really, it's really good important work done by the club and it's really important it's really important rich um you know i i feel really passionate about sort of the the rights and you know kind of the access given to disabled supporters obviously i have a vested interest in that a familial connection but it's it's really important and and when i did my big investigation to that i was looking at efl teams I wasn't looking at Wrexham at that time. I was looking at clubs like Port Vale and, and a few others. 
and yeah it was just a, it was a very enlightening experience and so it would be so easy i think for rob and ryan and humphrey to come in and have just maybe fixated on what will actually bring them success on the pitch you know they could easily have gone right we'll just invest all our money in getting the best players possible you know i shared on the podcast account and twitter account at rob ryan red i shared a podcast that was done recently it's called um what is it called not fully sure, but it's it's with Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and um, Sean Hayes, and uh, you know the three actors. And you know, Jason Bateman asked, which is actually surreal in itself, that Jason Bateman was asking Rob McElhenney about Wrexham. But Jason Bateman said, "Is it just a case of you need to get the best players possible?" And Rob McElhenney's response was really fascinating. You know, he said, "We don't just want to be cutting checks. Don't just want to be writing checks. You know, we want to build something sustainable so that." You know they're not going to own the club forever. That's that's a given. So they want it to be that it can be self-sustained, you know, sustainable and self-sufficient, and stuff like providing you know a a good number of wheelchair facilities so that fans aren't kind of sure. You know that they're not going to be able to accommodate every single wheelchair platform. But if if people like Kerry are really pushing for it. It's for a reason. And they're the kind of people that that are the bedrock of a club. People like Kerry, people like Geraint, who, you know, is well known among the fan base. People like Joey Jones. You know, these kind of people that that don't seek the limelight really. And Yeah, I know Humphrey them, you know, when Humphrey saw first 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 started arriving in Wrexham, he went for a for quite a few sort of walks with Jerry Jones and just to find out what the club really means. And I think that that's what's been relayed throughout the process, isn't it? That those owners and again, sorry, owners. I always say owners, but it's not the word they want to be called. It's yeah, co-chairman, chairman, isn't it? Co-chairman. co-chairman. Yeah. They just they get what the club's about, and so far, all the news is is positive. And again, if you look at that that sort of point as a whole, they once again say that part of part of our evaluation work over the last four months has focused on identifying what type of facilities would allow us to make the biggest positive difference for the benefit of the community. That work is still ongoing. And that's basically, you know, hammering home our point and saying it much more succinctly that they they are making such a difference to the community and the lift of Round Wrexham at the moment in all North Wales is just so exciting and encouraging and it's really sparked some rejuvenated energy into the area after you know i'd say a tough few years that's not even putting it lightly Mm, isn't it it's it's just making everyone proud to be from wrexham again and to say this is my club i'm so proud of of what's happened i've supported them through thick and thin and now we're reaping the rewards the bulletin board then rich this week that obviously the statement is the key but elsewhere i shared another little snippet of an interview done Rich Williams, who writes for The Leader, I'm sure everyone knows that if they follow Wrexham, but Rich does great work covering for The Leader. He'd spoken to Fiacra Kelleher, who said that he was actually disappointed with the way he was treated at the end and, and said he was glad to be out of the club. You know, obviously he wanted to stay, but given how he was treated at the end, he was glad to go. He didn't enjoy how it finished there. Then you had people like Bobby Grant, who, you know, has absolutely no fans, I don't think, left in the fan base. He said he wasn't even told, you know, if if we take it on his word, which I'm not totally convinced, but if we did, you know, he said he wasn't told that he'd been released. And Pearson's gone, you know, he was very magnanimous in his exit, saying that, you know, he had agreed something with Sean Harvey, 
but you know, and further confirmation that Sean Harvey has been the one negotiating the contracts before Fleur came in. And yeah, the manager search is ongoing, and I think um, I think there was kind of a lot a lot said about, especially a lot, like I say, a lot said about Hudson since you know that podcast. Just want to say a big thanks to everyone who listened and shared that. You know, probably one of our most listened to podcasts, which. I haven't got the latest stats on that, but we, it really flew. And, um, you know, we are trying to, to bring any sort of updates we can. It seems like, as we said in our last pod, that you know, the club aren't really rushing a decision. There's no need to rush it, really. They're just going about the process and making sure that they've had, the, the you know, the necessary time to allow applicants to apply. You know, you saw people like Keith Hill come out and say that they were interested in the role and, Hudson definitely fits that mould, I think. I think we nailed it first time, Rich, without patting ourselves on the back too much. I think we kind of hit the nail on the head that they were going to go for this Sam Ricketts type manager. And I suppose, before I hand it back, something like the Keller thing, which you said, was it's almost just a victim of the moment, you know, kind of Humphrey said, no new players will be coming in until we get a new head coach, new manager. And so I guess on the flip side, they knew Dean was going and therefore they couldn't, offer everyone a new deal seems like a, especially at centre back we've completely cleared the decks yeah and I think Kelleher would have been a player I definitely would have offered terms to particularly when you look at some of the others who have been offered a deal I find it quite peculiar and Kelleher said himself that he didn't think it's for footballing reasons but I think he's just a victim of like we said the moment because when the bonus scheme was announced the club made it clear that sort of negotiations and contract renewals would be left until the end of the season when we had more clarity on which league we'd be playing in. And yeah, the the difficulty is that you can't offer someone a new decent contract and particularly Kelleher because he's someone who will be attracting attention from other clubs who have quite a big budget because he he did really well for us this season. But if you've not got a new manager in place, you can't be handing out contracts willy-nilly. That's why I do find it so interesting the, the sort of... The fact that Devonte Redmond's been offered fresh terms, etc., because obviously that indicates that whoever comes in will have to play an attractive, expansive style of football, which we've not really been known for uh, in recent years. And when we have done it, it's never really lasted that long. So it's really interesting to to see. I understand Keller's frustration, but you know you've got to just trust that the new manager will bring in their own people. And you know Keller, who was a, a great National League defender this season but maybe our ambitions have to be that we're trying to poach people from league two and league one to come down yeah. to, to yeah. this level because like we said we've got the infrastructure we've got the facilities and now we've got the financial backing so although someone's done well for a team that's missed out on the playoffs in the national league you've got to be ruthless and you know Pearson going I think is a huge blow both on and off the pitch okay his injury record wasn't great and you know we haven't seen the best of him in the last season, but he still steadied the ship as soon as he came back and he still was the leader, the captain on and off the field and the man who represented everything the club stood for and the real ethos of the club. But, you know, as Humphrey said in his column, when sort of family comes into it, you can't, yeah. money doesn't, doesn't yeah. play a part. So it's, it's, it's difficult. Bobby Grant, Crocodile Tears, you know, yeah. I, I wanted him to do well. He, he he had moments where I thought his movement, etc., was good. He's getting the right areas. He didn't score goals. He didn't set up goals. Um, he told the fans to f off. You know, yeah. his attitude stunk. A- and people never forgave him after that. I think that was the and the thing is, the we, we owe him nothing. He came in, didn't do mm. much, and then acted as if he deserved better. And okay, you might have football league pedigree, but that counts for nothing 
at this but, level. You get find out quickly, which I think he did. And yeah, the club I believe will will have done things the right way. But someone we do owe, you know, just to get your thoughts on this, Rich, someone we do owe a great deal. I think gratitude to Michael Oakes, you know, the goalkeeping coach who's left. And I think if anything, you know, Leighton is very very talented, and and yeah, I think we've seen Dibble in improve as well. You know, a word on maybe Michael Oakes and your thoughts on that departure. It's just another sign that the new man will get his own coaching staff with, with Darlington going and Andy Davis going also. Yeah, I think that's a real blow to to the coaching setup. Of course, I understand why he's been so honourable, really, and saying, you know, the new manager might not want, want me. He might, I might not be the new manager's first choice, so I'm going to step aside and, and make that decision easier, easier for the new manager. I think we do need that fresh start, you know, ruthlessly... You know, as soon as that Dagenham final whistle went, that's the end of the old era, really. And I still think that, like we said, we've not really had that full chance for the owners to... Sorry, owners again. God, I need to have like a swear jar for every time I say that, don't I? But um, <laughs> We'll be rich. But I think that he's he's done something really well in, in terms of the development he's had of both Lainton and, and Dibble and the fact that he's been able to keep both of them competing at such a high level as well because I know Dibble's not everyone's cup of tea and when he comes in there are still questionable moments. You know, he saves penalties for fun, but he's still he's not Rob Lainton, is he? Let's, let's not beat around the bush. But the fact that he's always prepared and always up to the challenge when he comes in shows just how, how well Michael's worked with them really and sort of man-managed them to, to have that competitive nature and that, that healthy rivalry between one another I think it'll be a huge loss but again it just depends on who comes in and and who they want to bring in but I do think that you've got to be ruthless you've got to put nostalgia and personal sort of preference to one side and just say what's best for the club it's just a clean clean slate so thank you you know Michael for for everything you've done but it it is just time for change I'm with you 100% you know the the, the sort of that Dagenham game just sort of signalled the end of what Wrexham as we've known it and, and there will be sweeping changes which we've we've got and you know one of the big disappointments this week just off the pitch was confirmation that the doc I, you know I was given confirmation by the people at Disney that the we you know the, the documentary as we know is on Disney plus or it will be on Disney plus welcome to Wrexham and you know I was expecting it to be out maybe I naively thought it was going to be out before the new season you know kind of build up that that familiarity with fans and this season you would see an increase in in fans and it would benefit the sponsorship and whatnot but you know i've been told that it will be out in 2022 you know kind of early to mid 2022 and it's uh yeah i can't really wrap my head around that to be honest um we know it's a two season series so whether they release both seasons together i'm really not sure Uh, or if they release one just before the end of next season i'm not totally sure but I think we, it just depends Disney... on the turnaround, you know. I guess it depends yeah. what they what they view as the end point for season one. You know, we might not have even actually seen what they consider to be those final shots of season one. They might want it to be the rebuild of the squad and more improvements, and maybe even Rob and Ryan's first visit to Wrexham could be the way to end season one, and then and then you build upon that. So, it's yeah, it's interesting to see, but I mean. Wrexham we need Disney be... Plus subscriptions, and that's what we need. Seven ninety nine a month. We're gonna be a. Uh, we're going to be on a docuseries. It's mad. I can't wait to see the insights. And yeah, it'll be just... so good. And, and that'll be so good. And, and something good for the new year. And shirt sponsor as well. There's so much, so many Chinese whispers on that sense of like who we're going to get. You know, will it be Disney now that they're hosting the documentary? I saw a lot of chatter about Red Bull. Will it just be Mint Mobile? Will it be Aviation Gin? You know, it's it's fascinating. I'm, I'm of the belief that it will be a, 
It will be a statement. It will be a statement. Will it be Rob Ryan be... Red? Oh, how, you, how far does that budget stretch? Can you, you imagine Rob Ryan Red? As, oh, honestly, if we, uh, oh, who would you want to sponsor? Do you think? If, like, if you had the, I assume someone in the squad would be, you know, more affordable than a couple I don't of million. Know who we've got rich we'd have to get probably the whoever. We'd have to get the last person on the bench. Yeah, we'd like have Max to get Clareworth or something. Yeah, or we'd have to Bigger get staff. Like one of those wild card signers, like Chris Sang or something. Obviously, he's not there yeah, anymore. But yeah. Chris Sang away, yeah. away sock sponsor or something. We yeah, could probably Chris, stretch. Yeah, to. Chris Sang, third kit sponsor. But yeah, uh, that never gets worn. Um, but no, Rich. What a what a week! Another week. Um, gets somewhat more low key. But you know, we've had the club captain go. Our goalkeeping coach has gone. We've heard from the chairman. We've had you know a million and one podcasts. Um, not delivered by us for once, but. You know, delivered by Rob McElhenney, and he's clearly on a, a PR sort of blitz with Mythic Quest that he's obviously trying to promote. Yeah, it's never dull, is it? It's never dull. But yeah, I mean, do do as always. I'll, I'll give the email because you always seem to fumble it, Richard. So if you want to email us, do email us at robryanred at gmail.com. And if you want to find us on Twitter, it's at robryanred. Nice and easy. Bish bash. Bosh. Bish, bosh, we should be back early next week. Hopefully there could be managerial updates on the cards, who knows, but we'll be bringing you some special guests throughout the summer as well. This one, another impromptu sort of record when we, we learned that this this statement was going to be issued. So thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much, Nate, for joining us as well. Thanks so much, Rich. Sorry, I was uh, kind of getting... It's very early. You know, yeah, We, we okay. tend to record in the evening. This is very early for us to be recording. But no, thanks for having me on. And yeah, like I say, lots of exciting things to come for us and for the club. Welcome to Wrexham. And yeah, thank you very much for joining us once again. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe. If you haven't already, a review really helps as well. But we'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.